Welcome to Petrov's Little Pickle, the only podcast that doesn't show up to dinner without an appetite. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And we're talking about Season 3, Episode 3, entitled Chapter 29. This was a crazy episode, yeah? This was the episode that broke Alan Suppenwall and uh, Daniel Feinberg. Okay. They seemed like they were kind of game for the series, and then they got to this, and I... I as we saw this little cat and mouse game that was being played by Petrov and Claire and Frank, I'm like, mm-hmm. is something truly ridiculous going to happen? Is he going to ask for a one night with Claire mm-hmm. to make this missile deal? That's where I thought it was going. Is he going to rape Claire in the White House? Like, is something oh, that would be a problem for me, honestly. That would be, be a like, problem for everyone involved, yes. <laughs> I, I would be like, this, I don't know. So I was expecting that kind of, but we got kind of. A president who was behaving extremely disrespectfully towards the president of the United States. Uh-huh. But in this universe, like, I have seen Frank Underwood be as contemptuous of an adversary. I've seen him sure. throw Kobe steak into an Indian chief swimming pool. Uh-huh. I've seen him put his crotch right in a representative's <laughs> face and demand his unwavering loyalty. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I mean... I, I've seen a lot of different. I've seen him do a lot of crazy shit. Yeah. So this was no crazier than anything we've seen before. I don't think. Yeah. Now, do you think? Do you? What do you think of having a Putin, uh, basically a real life Putin analog in a drama series, and making him just the unabashed villain of the show? Uh, as an American, I'm okay with that. <laughs> Do you think it's responsible in a be- geopolitical context? Uh, potentially no, but uh, the, the news media is not very responsible with this stuff. Do you think House of Cards part. is going to be like Rocky Four and it will end the uh, Cold War part due before it even begins? Yes, yes. It is going. We, I'm sure that Frank Underwood will be the level-headed voice of reason here. We need Frank Underwood to, to have uh, a uh, no-holds-barred boxing match with yes, Petrov. And his kangaroo. In episode 13, <laughs> and at the end, just be slurring you know if if we could come together and you can come together (laughs) we all can come together i mean yeah that's all we need yeah yeah i don't think that's gonna happen i I don't think this is going to solve any of the world's problems do you think the world peace will be this uh will be decided over a beer pong tournament probably not but i think they could potentially repair their relationship with that (laughs) kathy and frank versus petrov and uh whoever Pat Petros Lackey would be, one of his mistresses. Yes, of course. Let, let's talk a little bit about this episode, yeah? Yeah, uh, it was directed by Tucker Gates, who has got a long career of directing, including The X-Files, The Office, Alias, Lost, Carnival, Boston Legal, Parks and Rec, Weeds. Jeez. And written by Frank Pulesa, uh, who has most recently written uh, episodes for Copper, Borgia. Borgia? Okay, Bo- Borgia, yeah. And... Uh, House of Cards, but he actually won a Writer Guild uh, of America award for Homicide Life on the Street, Hmm. which is one of the pre-Golden Age serious dramatic uh, TV shows that uh, guys a little bit older than me are paying attention, uh, always wax poetic about. Okay, cool. Um, What did you think? uh, I also want to talk about casting Lars Mikkelsen, who is the brother of Mads, who is playing Hannibal on NBC. Hmm. Uh, I thought he made a really solid Russian president slash supervillain. I did too, yeah. I mean, Uh, I know he's a Dane, I believe, but Mm -hmm. he, he, I thought he made a credible Russian. Yeah, no, it worked for me. 
Um, so we talked a little bit in previous episodes about how uh, Frank kind of making this recess appointment of Claire was potentially going to be a problem. It was sure. a huge dick move. It been- and it came across as such in this episode. You know, Kathy is very... She's not. She's trying not to show it too much, but she is obviously annoyed by it. Uh, Claire realizes that, and she tries to, over the course of this episode, repair that that relationship a little bit. Yeah, it's not. I mean, I knew it was going to be a dick move to the Senate, and in case you missed that, um, Birch and I think Mendoza both were saying like this is a smack in yeah. the, the Senate's face, which it was. Mm-hmm. But I also, I guess, I underestimated how hard it would be. Um, f- for them to share that power, the Secretary of State and the Ambassador of the UN, when she's also got the President's ear. Yeah, and there's like some inherent power there that Kathy doesn't have. Whereas that... Kathy should be the boss in the room and yes. everything, and people are just cutting her off at the knees and uh-huh. going right to Claire because they're seeing her as the middle woman now, and that uh, I thought it... Kathy was super professional about it, but well, kind of. I mean, uh. So there's the scene up front where she's talking to, I think it might be an Israeli diplomat. Is Ra- no, it wasn't it the, the Palestinian? Was it a Palestinian? Yeah, okay. I thought so. Um, so she's talking to her, and Claire kind of jumps in and tries to put her two cents in, and Kathy just cuts her off. So I, I felt like there was a little bit of her showing resentment towards Claire. But wasn't that as a result of Claire jumping the gun? Because Claire apologized for that later. She did jump in, yeah. She answered a question um, addressed to her, so, so Kathy paid her back her own coin. Okay, fair. But yeah, I mean it's that's that's a that's a tough spot and mm-hmm. it's got to be something that's super annoying to a woman like Kathy. Yeah, I, I don't know how Kathy feels about Claire personally, whether she thinks she's competent or not, but certainly just having her forced in there and shoehorned into her business is yeah. going to be a problem. It makes it seem a lot cuz I I remember thinking when they're talking about what Kathy's thoughts were about her getting that appointment, thinking that some of it was just, you know, um, what, what do you call that? Uh, being insecure? <laughs> yes, being in, insecure. Insecure, yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> but it seems there, like I'm there's, sure there's a, lot a word of, in Russian for it, that. It seems like there was actually a lot of valid mechanical issues with how this thing would all work out. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Um, I also, do you fully understand what... What they're trying to do here, there's some kind of Middle East peace talks that they mm-hmm. need troops based in more troops based in the Middle East. Yeah, yeah. But for to what end, I'm not sure. And Russia is either. trying to block this because they don't want any more Americans sure. right on their back door. Yeah, it's uh it's a surprising analog to what's going on presently. Have you heard any of Dan Carlin's series about poking a, the bear? A little bit, yeah. I thought that Dan Carlin's got the heart. He's more most famous for his hardcore history podcast. But he also mm-hmm. does like a once a month kind of general, uh, I'd say nonpartisan roundtable discussion about foreign policy, civil rights, that kind of stuff. It's called Common Sense Common if anybody's sense. looking for it. And he's really opened my eyes to how you can interpret world events and geopolitical things from, from Russian eyes. Sure. And I... I don't know how it comes across to most people, but watching this episode, that was very clear to me that the things that Francis are saying, hey, you know, trust us on, like, coming from the other direction, (laughs) we would never, you know, we would never accept Russia putting troops in Panama, 
for yeah. example, mm-hmm. because they've got something. They're just wanting to pursue peace. They're they're tired of these the drug cartels and everything running yep. wild and yep. screwing things up. It's just a peacekeeping force. We would fucking lose our shit. Yeah. So that is interesting to me. Yeah, you you have to have a little bit of perspective, um, and I, I I definitely see kind of the modern day leaking into this show. You know, I mean, there there's some obvious analogs. I mean, that guy's oh, yeah. supposed to be Putin. Putin. Yes, down to the Pussy Riot protest. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, obviously Pussy Riot's in it. They're real. They're, I, I'm sure everyone knows this. That was actually the real Pussy Riot. Yep. Yep. The real <laughs> girls from it. Uh, so, yeah, there, there's a lot of stuff in here that's mixed in with the, with the real world, and I like it. Did you thought it was ridiculous that Pussy Riot was a part of that dinner? Uh. Kind of at first, but I think it was, you know, the olive branch that he's talking about. You know, the perception of an olive branch. That's I was really like... the younger generation. When they show in the guilty remnant protest in the beginning and the the Pussy Riot Girls photo op, I was like, oh, what the fuck is Frank thinking? Is this a a stick to beating? But we find out that Petrov asked for that. Yeah. Seeming a miscalculation on his part. It doesn't seem like it's consistent (laughs) with the rest of his characterization. Uh, Characterization. No, I I didn't have a huge problem with it. I now if Pussy Riot had come in there and sat down peacefully with him and shook his hand and done photo ops and not done ha, have done what they did, that probably would have been an issue. They would because never those have people on are the show. so. What are you talking like about? Like Pussy Riot would never have. The, I'm sure that they oh, would only guest no, no, star no. on the show if they could give a fake Putin. Sure, and, Putin, and I'm talking Putin about you know the reality of this sure, universe sure. where where we're talking about. Uh, a group of musicians and and other things who are, you know, trying to rally this generation uh, for a cause. Yeah, they would never sit down with a perceived enemy and shake his hand and and play nice. You know, so I'm really glad that in the end they did what they did because if not, I would have been calling bullshit. Uh, lots of grave insults that the Russians were trading with the Americans in this episode. Uh, mm-hmm. You know. Fake Putin dropped the whole, uh, your wife should come come with you to visit Russia. There's lots of artists around here. Surely she'll find something he li- she likes. <laughs> you think that's the insult? What about the kiss, man? The, the, well, and saying that your husband's pimping you out. Uh-huh, and I was like, uh-huh. oh, God, oh, God, indecent proposal. <laughs> nyet, nyet. Halfway uh, through this, when Frank is asking him, like, you sleep on it and l- let me know what you want. Yeah, I was like, "Oh, he's going to ask for Claire." Yeah, I, I was really worried about. Pleasantly that. surprised, not that that uh, it didn't get there. The gravest insult, though, is Frank giving him that shitty surfboard. What <laughs> the fuck? It's like, did some blind person carve that out of plywood three uh-huh. hours before the president landed? I I was laughing at like <laughs> fake Putin's. Like, I cannot possibly surf on that. I get splinters in my feet. <laughs> What is this? Well, what about the the Beatles lyrics on the back? Back in the USSR, I don't think that's a Russian friendly song, is it? It's I, supposed to be kind of sarcastic and yeah, I don't know. I'm just saying that the the presentation alone was like sure, very very. Sure. You're saying that the surfboard is not as good as the golden bottle of seven hundred fifty thousand dollars vodka. Multiple golden bottles. Several, yes, yeah, several golden to bottles. Do, uh, shot, shot. You know, he's basically those aren't equivalent in he your was mind? spring break. Spring break and shot, shot, shots with the seven hundred fifty thousand dollars vodka. Which so driftwood surfboard not as good. No, no, not even drift would have been cool. <laughs> drift would have been cool. This was construction grade. Particle uh-huh. board that they got from fucking Lowe's, man. Yep. Not even Lowe's, Menards. 
Yeah, builder, builder level stuff, man. So not impressed with the with the American gift. No. Um, but anyway, uh, what else we got to talk about here? Uh, let's talk about how it ends up with with Petrov. We'll we'll talk about Claire and Kathy probably a little bit more. We'll talk about Gavin and Stamper, but I want to talk about the end of this episode because it turns on a fucking dime. Uh, Frank gets one too many insults. Um, he gets one too many no's. And he finally says, okay, well, I've got a wife in the UN. She's already kind of plotting to do this, this, uh, you know, veto, this, this overriding of a Russian veto in the UN. Yes. With some I'm going of... to use that. I, I'm going to get on board with that uh-huh. and use it to my advantage. And I think, you know, this is not a terrible move publicly. It almost seems like it may be one that this guy respects, that this guy will respect in the end with all his talk about Reagan and when men were men. You know, there there is an argument that standing up to the Russians is the right thing to do, and they will respect that. Now, I'm I'm Maybe. not going to argue. I'm not going to debate that. I don't know. Right. I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a politician in any way, but you could see it going down that road maybe sure 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 maybe it feels like one of those things that plays real well for fictional cameras like uh you saw love actually for the first time over christmas right yeah yeah there's a moment where billy bob thornton is playing like a mustache twirling evil version of george bush okay yeah yeah and he comes and he like hits on his secretary that he's the the hugh grants uh you know Mm -hmm. uh what, what do you what what's the what's his title uh assistant it's not know. no no it's not his, he's not the president he's the chancellor he's the prime minister prime minister thank <laughs> okay. you thank you um anyway he's the prime minister and uh you know america comes in it's basically like yeah you're gonna do whatever you want like you always do because you're our yeah. fucking errand boys and just mm-hmm. outrageously insulting yep and then he has a press conference where he basically says fuck you america <laughs> And he like, has more balls though, because he does it right in front of the guy. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> on public, he, on he national called, television, he called the press conference and then did it right in front of. Him. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas a Putin, fake Putin here, would have had him killed. Probably. Um, but I, I always thought, like, yeah, that must feel really cool to like film, and and it probably plays well in theaters. But that's ne- you never do that. Yeah. That, it, he, Frank has essentially resumed the Cold War. Yeah. With this press conference. Mm-hmm. So is that where it loses you? It doesn't lose me. I'm just okay. saying that that's that that is about as far as they can stretch my credibility, and you know, have me still not like throwing tomatoes at the television screen. Uh, yeah, I feel like this is a Bogdan situation where you're you say, "What what was I to do, Walter? <laughs> what am I to do?" You know, like the guy won't play ball at all. I he, get it. He wants a disproportionate uh, acquiescence for uh what frank wants but it's another one of those things where it's like okay well we're gonna do this to russia and what are they gonna i mean all everything that put everything that fake putin did as insulting as it was was except for the kiss i guess behind closed doors and you know plausible deniability Mm -hmm. this is you know it it makes it somehow frank's more measured press conference seem um more provocative in contrast because it was public yeah. It's just like you're you know, right. fake Putin was saying, I'm not going to let you do a whole bunch of back channel shit where I look weak, but I'm getting what I want, and you don't have to look weak, but I, I look weak by omission. Mm-hmm. It's the opposite of that. It's like, well, I'm going to look strong right in public and tell you to fuck off. Yeah. 
Yeah, we'll see how it goes. I I have a feeling though. So this is not a bad way to ratchet up ratchet up the show though, right? No, like it's... Frank goes to the White House. Who are his natural enemies now? Uh, it's the other presidents who have honestly more control over their respective countries. Do you think as we Frank is battling internal fight uh, right. battles and external battles here? Well, there's a bunch of Chinese tension from last uh, uh-huh. season. I wonder if that's going to come back and it's going to be. You know all these old Cold War powers, and they're they're kind of going to return us back to Cold War footing. Sure. Or I mean, because there's like, can Frank really beat Russia? Like in season, is, he, does he yeah, beat the Russian consider? president? I mean, does he? Does yeah, he what somehow do you get him in some kind president? of like what scandal could Putin be embroiled in, which would have him roll onto his back and piss himself? Uh, real life Putin. Real life Putin. Some kind of homosexual scandal. With with the the with view that Russia evidence? takes, yeah. Hmm. Oh, meet him in the middle. <laughs> He's gonna send. We're him wrong. Meet it's him. not clear. It's right? not clear. Right. I mean, Russia has a very hard line view on that. A Putin uh, and, and Putin, and himself, assuming sure. assuming fake Putin, since uh, Pussy Riot was all up in arms. And yeah, yeah. Fictional Pussy Riot was all up in arms with her. So if he was caught in a scandal of that nature, I think he might be forced to roll over. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Um. So wow, the, you're right. I don't know how he makes that happen. Though. You think you think that's where they're going? <laughs> it, unless, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Threechum could could happen. It would be interesting because there's all this talk of pimping, and there's all this like you know these conversations are dripping with sexual innuendo with Claire, who looked stunning. Yeah, her dress was amazing, and like Kathy was throwing shade at her, but also in a very respectful way. Like, yeah, I, all the cameras going to be on you, nobody else. I, was she throwing shade? I I just thought she was get, paying her an honest uh, compliment. Yeah, well, really. Okay, I think you're right. It wasn't it wasn't gel from a place of jealousy. It's more of a place like, look, Claire, I can't really compete with you in the boardroom oh, or anything. Okay. You are going to by nature of your job and every, you're going to outshine and eclipse me in every way. Yeah, being the president's wife helps. That's so, for sure. Anyway, she has influence. It does not help at beer pong though. It does not. She was getting her ad. Did she let yeah. her win? No. No. <laughs> Kathy's just really fucking good at yeah. beer pong. No, she does seem like she's she's uh, she's an ace. Yep. Um, can we talk about Doug? Yes, let's talk about Doug. Doug was made a sweetheart offer by a congressman, mm-hmm. a representative. And Junior he's congressman in Hawaii. Pay him... Like two hundred and twenty thousand dollars, which is fifty grand over the minimum maximum you can pay, I guess, a congressional staffer, mm-hmm. and they're going to get around that by some kind of, I, I assume, a briefcase with fifty grand from the campaign from funds, the can- yeah. yeah, from the slush fund. Hmm. Uh, I felt like the more we f- learned about this deal, first of all, I thought it was maybe Doug was trying to get a meeting with someone to put pressure on Frank. Like, look, Frank, I can be gone. Oh, I got okay. other offers. It's essentially, hmm. you know, want to make your ex jealous, so you start dating some hot new sure, hot sure. new thing. Um, but the more I learned about it, the more I found that, you know, I believe that this was something that Frank put together. And it Frank just must not understand Doug. Doug doesn't give a shit about money. Doug does not want to be the operative to the junior representative <laughs> of Hawaii. Nothing against Hawaii. Sure. But I've never heard any senator or representative from Hawaii mentioned in any kind of hmm. 
current event other than Barack Obama and birth certificate bullshit. Yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. they it just it seems like it doesn't get a lot of political juice. That's true. So Frank trying to tempt him with this tells me that Frank either doesn't respect Doug or doesn't understand Doug. And that actually could, might be true. Could there be something deeper? Okay. Could could he have a larger plan where he's trying purposely to push Doug out? Um I, I don't know. I think I don't know. Doug tried to interpret it um generously as um maybe him giving a cushy job that he can watch him for a mm. while and then give him the nod up when he proves himself and he says, I don't need training wheels. <laughs> That's optimistic, I think. But no, I to me I thought, I don't know. I'm worried that uh, Frank is really underestimating Doug here, and yeah. if Doug turns against him, it's all over. It's all over. I mean, Doug. I can see a horrible downfall. series of events where Gavin finds Rachel, Stamper decides, "Fuck Frank, I'm yeah. gonna use Rachel to bring him down." Yeah, I mean, but but Doug, but hold, he holds all of the cards here. Doug knows about all the. Uh, he knows all where he all the bodies everything. are buried, but also yes. like stuff that like the press already knows about. For example, him appearing at the Indian casino mm-hmm. and being kind of embroiled in the that that alone could probably take down the president since, you know, that was kind of like, oh, well, that's all Walker's fault, et cetera. Hmm. And that was okay. all kind of like Tusk stuff. But if the, they bring up the current vice president who gave out all those pardons, I think that would be fatal to his career. Sure. You don't uh, even have to get the murder of Pete Russo involved. <laughs> Yeah, or Zoe, either one. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. It's bad news for him if he doesn't keep Stamper on his side. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like it's shaping up. It's going to be a Doug versus uh, um, Frank showdown. Could be. What do you think about uh, Gavin? Yeah, Mr. Gavin. Mr. Pig himself. I want to talk about him. So I want to talk, before we get into his story here. Were you disappointed there was no 3D catfish head when he hacked <laughs> I Doug's was super, yeah, computer? Super disappointed. Uh I, I want to talk a little bit about the lighting in this show because oh, sure. the lighting top to bottom is just fantastic, man. In that scene where they're at the big dinner, the banquet, they, they have like a hundred candles on the table or something and it's lighting the room and uh, it's, it's very dark, but you know, light enough to see. And, and there are just like a lot of shots that are really composed well with the lights. Mm-hmm. And then you go over to Jimmy, or sorry, Jimmy, Gavin, um, who is just in this desolate hell of a cube, and and the green lighting coming down on him. I mean, it's and very he's, matrixy. He's forced but... to stand and give respect to institutions yeah. and people that he loathes. Sure, and, and that's that's all reinforced by you know the way they shoot this stuff and the way they light it. An agent, Dick Tracy, rubber face uh-huh. uh, man is still like, how do you treat an employee like that? It's like, hey, we forgive you and we give you access to all this sensitive equipment and information, uh-huh. but we're also going to heavy handedly hold things over your head and force you to comply with things. Yeah. Like, threaten you, to bring up new charges against you if you don't. Like, what are they doing? Yeah. It's not a way to keep loyal employees. No, it seems seems stupid, but we never liked the Gavin plot. Uh I don't I don't know. Being kind of distanced a little bit from season 2 where it was kind of over the top, over the top and a little ridiculous. Um I'm getting back into it a little bit more. Like this idea that, you know, he doesn't like working for the FBI, but he's forced into this situation and he's got to do something for Stamper. Uh, in hopes that he can get out of this situation, 
I can see this going badly for him, and I'm okay with that, but I think it's going to be interesting to watch. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, anything else about Doug? No more um, brandy or no more uh, bourbon in the shots no, in the mouth? N- not this time, but he was a, he was never alone in this episode, was he? No. Do you think he was... Uh... Do you think he's drinking? Like, the next time we see drink, is he drinking out of a shot glass? Oh, man. I hope so. Or a graduated beaker. I hope so. Graduated cylinder. Yeah. What do you think of um, Frank or Kevin Spacey singing the blues? He's got a 5,000 5, milliliter round bottom boiling flask, and he's just <laughs> going to town on it. Uh, I He's great. So, obviously, Kevin Spacey does a lot of Broadway stuff. Sure. He is a really good singer, uh-huh. and it showed here. I thought it was cool. What do you think of uh, Lars here doing the the Tetris song? <laughs> Which I think is uh, Karobaniski is how you pronounce that? It, it's something like that. Uh, yeah, I don't know how to say that, but sure, we use that for our uh, sure. ill-fated Americans podcast. Sure. As the theme song. Yeah, that that was cool. I don't know. Uh, anything else we want to talk about the episode? For, for people who don't know, I mean, that isn't just an old Ro- Russian folk song. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody knows it is Tetris. It has lyrics. It was played hundreds of hundreds of years ago. Yeah, supposedly the lyrics are about like a peasant uh, uh, haggling over the price of some good with a maid, but it's also hmm. like a very thinly veiled negotiation for a romantic interlude. All right, that's a perfect song then for that true, scene. Right? True. Yep. Yep. He was yeah. trying to get the milk cow for free. <laughs> uh, trying to think. Do you, what about a president having Cuban cigars in the White House? <laughs> so it's not illegal to own Cuban cigars, right? Isn't it's illi- it? I thought it was illegal to import or sell them. So did he, like... I... You just don't ask. You just don't ask <laughs> don't the ask, president where he got those Cubans. Yeah. Sure. All right. Uh, yeah. Speaking of the cigar scene, this was another scene that was fantastically shot. I mean, down in that stairwell... Oh, the basement entrance? Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, just, like, the height of that room lended itself really well to some awesome shots. It felt like the bat cave. Sure. Yeah. Do you, are they how accurate do you think this is of like the president's living quarters and stuff? Because I every time they're sitting in that like common room, I guess, with the big ha- arc window and it's like, like I just like, man, the president lives like a pimp. Lives like a king. Like he li- a it's like president. it's like something out of fucking Downton Abbey. He's sure. got butlers who happen to be armed with machine guns. <laughs> and he has staff to wait on his every hand in need, and he lives in a mm-hmm. lives in a mansion. Yeah, it's kind of incredible. I never really gave much thought to how the president lives before. Yeah, I mean i I don't know why the most powerful and know, arguably most important person in the country would not live that way. Live in a palace. Yeah. All right, but it's like you know we're proud of the fact that we don't have royalty, but we kind of do. We kind of do. Yeah. Although they're usually actors and actresses. <laughs> like Ronald Reagan? <laughs> exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, Anything else? Because we got some feedback. Uh, let's go to the feedback. All oh, right. wait, wait. No, no, no. One more thing. There's a conversation between Frank and Mendoza where he's you oh. know, talking about the vetoes and stuff. And he's not going to veto anything. Uh, it was very clear to me at the end of this conversation when you know he's like, veto anything you want. It just helps our case in 2016. And it it became very clear that Mendoza thinks he is running in 2016, despite what he said. Yeah. And okay. it also, um, I also thought that the Russian president was interesting that he sucked up to the Republican 
you know, and made it. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, hey, you're going to be the next president, and that mm-hmm. line about this is the first time I've been to the White House, but this is my third president. Yeah, just a difference in the the the, the meaning of power there versus power here. I thought was really sure. cool. Um, yeah, and how long is it going to take for the Democrats to realize? that he's going to stab him in the back. Bob looked pretty miserable sitting down at the end of that table. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think it's, it's kind of interesting that Francis seems to have forgotten that the president has a very little power Mm -hmm. over what, I mean, Congress can do. I mean, that was the whole lesson in the first two seasons is, you know, yeah, you're the president and you can, you can use the bully pulpit and all that, but you don't have Mm -hmm. a lot of things you can force the Congress to do against their will. Yeah. And now that you've, your, your rise to power has pissed off and alienated almost everyone not <laughs> on your staff. Uh-huh. And even a lot of people on your staff are hating your guts. It's, it's a tricky place to be in. Yeah, for sure. Let's get to feedback. All right. Uh, let's see. You got to scroll down here. First up is Michael McBee. Uh, some of this stuff is for our previous episodes and some of it is for the current episode. Uh, she said, it's interesting how Jackie is now basically in Frank's position from seeming from season one, seemingly low in the totem pole, but a good manipulator aiming at the vice presidential position. Is Frank going to be stepping down as well due to marital problems? Mm. Jackie's asking to be the vice president. Is she angling to undo her mentor just the same as he undid Walker? Could be. Could be. Would that be a little too on the nose for you? Uh... No, I mean, you know, a lot of things in life are cyclical, and I would think that's just a little poetic justice for Frank. All right. What do you think about her relationship with Remy? Like, I don't understand why they're making such a big deal out of it. They had a relationship last year. They could have another one. Is Remy going to choose? I mean, is Remy the kind of guy that's going to choose a relationship with her over loyalty to Frank? If so, that seems stupid. Yeah, Remy doesn't strike me as a guy who would blow up his career over something like that. You're already working for the president. Mm-hmm. Why would you back someone whose goal is to be the vice president? Like, how does that help you? I, I don't know. Maybe if he thinks that Frank can't win. That's the only thing I could think of. But her being a vice president yeah. going to help that. <laughs> no, her being on the ticket with Frank is... Oh, you uh, yeah, you backed a failed vice president that lasted six months before <laughs> she was swept away. Yeah, we want you on our team. I don't know. That's sure. weird. Yeah, uh, we'll see where that goes. I, I just don't think it has been very well detailed yet. Kelly Wilson said, before I started this season, I heard there's a shocking thing in the first few minutes of the first episode. Thinking about Frank throwing Zoe in the front of the train, I eagerly tuned in only to find out they meant Doug Stamper is a Terminator. (laughs) I I guess we're the only two people in the world that were shocked that he returned to life. Well, if she's saying he's a Terminator, then I think she was shocked, too. No, I think that she's meant that she was disappointed that that was the big reveal. Like, this was no throwing Zoe in front of the train shocking. Oh, yeah, I I don't know. I was shocked. I thought he was super dead. But. Like, Claire smothering him with a pillow? That would be Zoe in front of the train shocking. Mm-hmm. Uh, she says, I don't mind all the focus on Doug if it means he ends up in opposition to Frank and Claire. No spoilers. I haven't watched ahead. I just think the Underwoods are going to treat Stamper as tainted and won't ever let him into the White House. Um, seems like it could be That, that seems way. like how it's playing out, yeah. 
Mark R. said, First of all, I want to say I agree with you about Alan Supplemal and Dan Feinberg's take on House of Cards. I was so angry listening to them, ripping the show apart, that I had to stop listening to that recent episode of their podcast. Sure, House of Cards isn't as good as Mad Men or Breaking Bad, but I'd still put it in the top tier of shows. I mean, we did in our uh, roundup. It yep. made our, I can't remember if it made our top 10 or top 20. But we all, we enjoy watching Kevin. I mean, it's primarily I enjoy watching Kev, Kevin Spacey go to work. Yeah, he's great. And the, the statecraft angle of this is probably my favorite part of it. Like, if you roll your eyes every time he breaks the fourth wall and goes to the camera... You're not going to like the show. You're not going to have a good time. <laughs> Me, I love it when he breaks away and says, I'd throw this man down down the staircase and, and set fire to his broken body if I thought I could do it and not provoke a world war. I mean, I love that shit. I yep. love when he's starting, a like, last episode, when he starts a fourth wall break and he gets oh, interrupted. Yeah. I've never seen that before. No. That like, was the first time. Like, he has to stop. Usually time kind of stops, but uh-huh. it's like, oh, I got to get to this stupid phone call. But I I, I love that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, as for Stamper being alive, I felt like they left it up in the air at the end of season two. If I hadn't listened to your podcast last season, I don't think I would have even doubted that he was still alive. So I surprised. Really? How, how the, I just feel like really? if you show. He looked fucking dead, If you man. show a man get his ca- head caved in. By a brick at night, uh-huh. and he's sitting there unblinking, staring at the camera, and then you come back at daylight, and he's still staring unblinkingly at the camera, and he's kind of greenish gray. Yeah, he's dead. He's dead. <laughs> he's. What other conclusion can there be? I mean, maybe he's not Miracle Max dead. You can stick a pill down him and inflate his lungs. I don't. I mean, I don't know, but sure. The barring Lazarus that, effect. Is barring that, what you're that. Talking about? he got frozen out there in <laughs> oh, those. Oh, that's right. You and... haven't seen Princess Brides. You don't I'm know not. about Miracle Max. No. Uh, (laughs) anyway i think the reason he has been he had the prostitute shoot the bourbon to his mouth was because he had been sober for so many years and that was his way of taking a drink to relieve his pain while availing himself some or uh relieving himself somehow of the guilt he'd feel if he took a drink himself um the show likes to make stamper out to be a creep but i think this thing with the bourbon was just his way of passing his personal guilt about ending his sobriety onto someone else we also had an e- uh, someone uh, email in that I'm not going to share their name just in case they would be squeamish about this, but they said, my take as an alcoholic who's been so- sober for 15 years, which congratulations, is that if it's a rationalization, or it is a rationalization, a way of lying to himself, if it's a syringe and he's not drinking it, then he can believe that it's medicine and he's not actually off the wagon. Hmm. Okay. That makes sense too. Yeah. And I do think he's creepy, but also I like the psychology of this addiction and... He's, How do you deal with it at the lowest point of your life? Sure, yeah. And, and it's also, I think, what they're trying to say by him going from episode one where he's got a hooker shooting bourbon into his mouth to episode two where he's doing it for himself, I think they're showing a slow slide sure. back into his alcoholism. Like I said, I think next time, I'm not sure if we go right to the shot glass, yeah. but I wonder what... How how long will he be able to maintain this control and this rationalization? Sure, he's got a battle ahead of him. Uh, Trippy from St. Louis said, "I wonder how bad Doug or how bad off Doug really is. How many adults who were born from 1956 or 57 on who would not instantly answer what colors Rudolph's nose as red? I don't care if your name is Rudolph, that your dad's name is Rudolph, your grandfather's name is Rudolph, your best friend's name is Rudolph, any significant male in your life's name is Rudolph." <laughs> Let's say that that Wait, was all which true. Rudolph? Which Rudolph? That's all true, and every single one of those people, including yourself, has the same bizarre birth defect, which rendered their noses electric lime green. I would still think that one's first answer to the question of what co- is the color of Rudolph's nose is red. I tend to agree. Yes. 
So that says something about how badly he was beaten about the brain uh, and the damage to it. Uh, Certainly. He also says about this episode, oh, son, like land wars in Asia, never, never try to match a Russian in their favorite game, Toast and Shots. Even the Irish would stand aside in this. And sleeves, apparently, and pickles. And sleeves and toast and pickles. Yeah. The little order, the better. That was uh, all vaguely... I thought, I thought he was going to be like, okay, now sniff your sleeve. All right, now eat the pickle. Now sign the treaty. Yep. Uh, just trying to smooth one over here. Yep, yep. I mean, this is all vaguely culturally insensitive. Sure. Um, but... But hey, it's on. It's in the show. What are we supposed to do? Not talk about it? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 one of those weird. Also, things they're where, Russians. No, never yeah. Mind. There's uh, there's uh, certain. It seems like there's some things you can say nowadays that is no longer offensive. That's true. You can tease. Uh, like I, I saw uh, someone teasing Chris Matthews, the you know famous journalist, about uh, how many potatoes he could put away. Really? Yeah, and they were all laughing about it. I don't Ooh, know. Uh, okay. I thought it was pretty funny. Seems slightly offensive, but uh, all right. I'm a German, Irish, Polish. Uh, mm-hmm. Not even that long. Like my uh, my grandfather was a first generation German, so hmm. one of the few families that didn't didn't anglicize their name during the wars. Yeah. But anyway, and it rhymes with jerk off. Just mine, in got, case you forgot <laughs> mine got changed by one letter. That's it. Did it? Yeah, it did. Yo. Your name is supposedly anglicized? Yes. Holy shit, dude. It got changed by a letter. I know. Was it spaghetti? <laughs> like, what was, the, what was it yeah. before? It was marinara. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. That's things I found about Jim Jones. Jones, old, old, old yeah, Italian sure, name. Sure, very old, yeah. Yeah, Sicilian. Uh-huh. Ant-Man B said one thing. Uh, I- Julius Caesar, middle name Jones. <laughs> What uh, Ant-Man B said, one thing I found implausible is uh, the idea of Frank nominating Claire as ambassador to the UN. Can you imagine the opposition party's response if either Bush II or Obama I tried to nominate the lady, his first lady to cabinet position? Yep. Oh, yeah. We're seeing that. Clinton kind of did this by putting Hillary in charge of health care reform in 93, <laughs> and we saw how that sent Republicans into a fury, and we also saw the eventual result. I do fa- find the Amworks plot very interesting. If a Democratic president tried to put entitlements on the chopping block, he'd be eaten alive by his own party. It looks like they may be going there. I'm looking forward to seeing how that all plays out. Yeah, seems like it. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of one of the pleasures of the show is to see. I think it's kind of interesting if they have this very Machiavellian president be uh, not a disaster, but like super highly effective. Exactly what Like he might needs. be the, it's like Batman, he might be the president that we need. <laughs> sure, Might not, sure. Or the president we deserve, uh, or the, the, the mythical, truly benevolent dictator. Sure, like, sure. And he's brought he's brought down, even though he's wildly successful. He's brought down by the sins of his past. I think that would be really interesting. All right, yeah. Uh, moving on, final one. Shane B said, really enjoying the Russian Petrov visit episode. It kind of felt like a behind the scenes dip of diplomatic visits that we never see. The fallout of this visit is probably going to be a slow trudge, but I did like Frank. Or giving Frank this simple, effective adversary. And also someone that he can't, like, yeah. even in, in, he can't get back to even on the level of a, of a, a Tusk. You know, like, what do you he, mean? he could go after Tusk's money and his mm-hmm. interest and all that stuff. He can't do shit to fake Putin. No, he's got to start wars if he wants to do that. And that's a big deal. If Claire slaps fake Putin, is that an act of war after she kisses him? After he kisses her? Uh, no, that can be passed off as a misunderstanding of culture just as much as him kissing her. Hmm. 
because she played that pretty cool. She yes, although the room was hushed yeah. when that happened. Yeah, no, I I was uh, I and was then just Frank wondering. Frank plays it pretty cool too. He did play yeah. it pretty cool, and obviously you can't push him down the stairs and set him on fire. But I wondered if she had given him a slap. Mm. I was kind of rooting for the slap. <laughs> All right. But uh, anyway, nope, no slap happened. We'll see. Maybe, maybe there's still lots of lots of episodes left. Sure. Speaking of that, if you'd like to send us more feedback, you can do so at House of Cards at baldmove.com. Please help us out by marking the chapter or episode number in your uh, subject line so we can keep it all straight. Uh, you can also get on our forums, which uh, has a post conveniently for each episode. So it's already kind of self-organizing. You can avoid spoilers and go at your own pace at forums.baldmove.com. You can also... Uh, comment on our podcast on um, facebook.com slash bald move and tweet at Jim at bald move. Got a lot of positive feedback about our rollout plan for the episodes. People seem to cool. be uh, thinking that we struck a nice balance between the marathoners and the people wanting to go at their own pace. So that was what we were All trying right. to do. It's gratifying to hear that almost unanimously that's the opinion so far. All right. Awesome. We will see you guys next time. Until next then. one. Next one. <laughs> Until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. 